Would you like to go? Okay. While the uh, choir takes their seats, good morning. Good to see each and uh, every one of you. We're trying out a new microphone system today, so if I'm too loud or I reverberate too much, we're, we're going to play with that. But it is good to, uh, good to see all of you. Lots of, uh, lots of things weigh on my mind this day, and I'll share those as we go along. Much of what is happening, of course, in the country, uh, much is what is happening in, in our church. Um, not that it is bad by any means, but just things that weigh heavy on me. You're about to get two bookend sermons, um, sermons that really just essentially point out one thing that you need to take away. But if you came today, that means you have to come next week because they're bookends. You can't, you can't miss one without coming next week. So you all are committed, whether you know that or not. You've got to come next week, too. But today is a very simple lesson. It's one that you already know, but it's one that I want to consistently and continually remind you of because as human beings, we need to be reminded. To judge or not to judge? You kind of already know the answer to that. But I want to remind you that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we do have a responsibility. And what I want to do is start out today by going to Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Starting there toward the very end, the 14th chapter in the first verse, as Paul is acting as an umpire or a referee because of some of the divisions and some of the judgments being made in the early church. So would you stand with me as we read Paul's letter to the church at Rome, starting there at 14.1. And this is what Paul writes. He says, welcome the person who is weak in faith, but not in order to argue about differences of opinion. One person believes in eating everything, while the weak, weak person eats only vegetables. Those who eat must not look down on the ones who don't, and the ones who don't eat must not judge the ones who do, because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? They stand or fall before their own Lord, and they will stand because the Lord has the power to make them stand. One person considers some days to be more sacred than others, while another person considers all days to be the same. Each person must have their own convictions. Someone who thinks that a day is sacred thinks that way for the Lord. Those who eat, eat for the Lord because they thank God. And those who don't eat, don't eat for the Lord, and they thank the Lord also. We don't live for ourselves, and we don't die for ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to God. This is why Christ died and lived, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you look down on your brother or sister? We will all stand in front of the judgment seat of God because it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So stop judging each other. Instead, this is what you should decide. Never put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. This is God's blessing for God's people, the reading of his word. This is God's word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, let us be still in this place, in your house. 
open our hearts that we might hear your voice. Give us this time, Father, when we can hear from your word a lesson that we already know, but help us to see it with new eyes or hear it with new ears. And let us, let us apply it to our lives in a new way. Bless and keep each one of us this day that we might be servants of the living Lord in what we say and in what we do, and that this might be a part of what we do, to judge or not to judge. Help us, Father, to better understand. And now here in your house, Father, I ask that I might lose myself in the shadow of the cross. That is your words, your teachings. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts with which to know. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask these things. Amen. Dodie Gadiant was a school teacher for some 30 years. And one day she decided, you know, I just need to take a vacation and I want to go across America and see some of the places that I've never seen before, that I've only taught about from books or that I've seen in pictures. And so sure enough, she packed up her truck and put a camper on the back, and she started driving through America, seeing so much of what the beauty of this country has to have offer. But unfortunately, one afternoon, rounding a curve on I-5 in Sacramento, California, her water pump broke. Right there on the interstate, right in the midst of rush hour, she was tired, exasperated, scared, and alone. And even though she was all of those things, and even though she was blocking traffic in the middle of Interstate 5, no one seemed ready to help. No one really wanted to seem to pull over and to help her in her time of need. And so she later wrote that she was leaning up against the camper, and she said this little prayer. She said, please, God, send me an angel, preferably one with mechanical experience, Sure enough, about four minutes later, a huge Harley Davidson drove up, ridden by an enormous guy, getting off long black hair, a beard, tattooed arms, and a piercing right out of his ear. And he got off, and without saying a word, he went right by her, went to her car, looked under the hood, started working for what he could do. And without saying another word, he got out there in the interstate, and a few moments later, he flagged down another truck got a long chain, hooked, it, hooked her truck and camper up to the back of this truck. It had this 56-foot rig haul this contraption, this truck and, and camper, off of the interstate and onto a side road so he could work on it. And he calmly continued to work on the water pump, trying to patch it together. And, of course, this little intimidated school teacher is watching all alone, dumbfounded, not really sure what to say, and especially paralyzed when she read the lettering on the back of his leathers, the jacket, Hell's Angels, California. I think that would probably all give us pause to think about who's working on my car, my truck, my trailer. And he continued to work for a while, and then finally he had it up and running. And she said, thank you. And you could tell that she was a little dumbfounded and still a little scared, and she tried to make polite conversation. And this big burly guy, noticing that, turned to her with a little smile on his face, looked her straight in the eye, and said, Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't 
judge a book by its cover. Well, we know that, don't we? And yet we do judge books by their covers. We do that because that's just part of human nature. We like being a judge, whether we want to admit that or not. Truth be known, most of us are umpires at heart. We like to call balls and strikes on the other guy. That's what we like to do. And we do it sometimes unintentionally, unknowingly, but we do it just the same. We all have a tendency to look down on people who are different from us, who are taught very different from us. We're very quick to judge. I went to the Kentucky State Barbecue Festival, fair, what are we, what's the last word? Great barbecue. You got to go. But if you go, you have an opportunity to do what my grandfather loved to do, and that's people watch. And you can only watch people so long before unintentionally you start to make judgments. And I've got my wife next to me going, don't judge, don't judge. It's not for you to judge. Somebody walks by with little pink trousers and fluffy blue slippers, and I don't know whether she's going to the barbecue line or going to bed, but you have a tendency to judge. We judge it very carefully, whether we want to admit that or not. And the same situation existed in the early church at Rome. There were two different groups in that church of Rome. It was growing by leaps and bounds. And some of the new believers, of course, were Orthodox Jews. That was their background. And they were concerned about the day of the week that was holy. And they were concerned about what they ate. And then there was another group, especially those who had come to Christianity through Paul, who were essentially pagan Gentiles, that they didn't care about any of those things. It was just like a marriage. A husband and a wife bring together different values and different thoughts and different traditions and different preferences, and it was a matter of trying to match them up in the early church and make them work. And sometimes Paul simply had to play referee between the two groups. That's where he found himself. The new believers were still attached, some of them, to the Jewish Sabbath, Saturday. Others believed that any day of the week was holy. It didn't make any difference. There should be no preference. Some of them fasted. Some of them saw absolutely no need for fasting. Some of them ate meat. Some of them just simply ate vegetables. They were vegetarians. So there were differences. But the problem is, is that disagreements started to form in the early church And these disagreements led to judgments between each other in the church. The pointing of fingers saying, that's wrong. That's not the way we do things. Or you can't eat meat. You're not supposed to do that. And the church was becoming divided, and Paul had an obligation to do something about it. The church is big enough for all kinds of thoughts and opinions. The important thing is that whatever beliefs you bring to church It gives glory to God. Let me say that again. That what you bring to church, that what you do, that what you say brings glory to God and God's kingdom. This conflict in this early church is no different 2,000 years later. Don't we still struggle with differences of opinions and the way of doing things? The first century, we were talking about foods or the, which day of the week was sacred. And these days, we talk about, I don't know, music, hairstyles, makeup, 
pajama pants and fuzzy blue slippers. Bible translations. Have you ever thought if you go through Danville, if you go through any city, have you ever looked at the Protestant denominations we have? Do you know how many different denominations we have? The Baptists alone have like 365,000 different denominations that call themselves Baptists. And Methodists, we have a bunch of different Methodists. We got Presbyterians, we got Episcopalians, we got Lutherans, and we're all following Jesus Christ, but we all just say, well, I don't believe in what you believe, so I'm going to set up a new denomination. I'm going to do it in a different way. And that's not necessarily wrong until you start parting fingers at each other. Until you start saying, you're wrong, or you're a heathen, or you're a pagan, because you don't do it my way, which is the right way, and then we start judging one another. And we have never been asked to judge anybody. In the first century, we had lots of these problems, and they still continue today. In his book, Unchristian, David Cinnamon is taking a poll of people who were born between 1965 and 2002. If, any, if you were born between 1965 and 2002, would you raise your hand? We have a few. We have a few. But David did a poll, and he asked you all this question. He was saying, you want to look at Christianity. What is it that really defines Christianity? And nine out of ten of those people in that generation, or those two generations actually, 87% used the term judgmental to describe present-day Christianity. Judgmental. And then 15% of that 87% thought that the lifestyles of followers of Jesus Christ were no different than their lifestyles, so why even bother to become a Christian? Because they do the same things we do. It would seem as though you and I have a lot of work to do if we're looked at always as judgmental or if our lifestyles have not been changed by Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Somewhere we have blurred people's vision as to what the church and what Christianity is truly supposed to be about. And if there is any community gathered together that should know about judging others, it is this Christian community. It is the body of Christ, this body and everybody that professes Jesus Christ as Lord. The church lives and breathes into its being and into its existence because we have experienced unmerited grace and unmitigated love. Unmerited grace and unmitigated love. And yet sometimes we present a very judgmental issue. We, we present a very judgmental vision to those outside. Sometimes it's about what we do in the church. If we're not fulfilling the mission of the church, the mission that Jesus Christ gave to this church, and we just do things because that's the way we've always done them, that may not be right. We may look, be looked upon as being judgmental in who we are and in what we do. If we're more concerned about the physical beauty of our facility instead of the beauty of our faith, we're missing the boat. We're missing the boat. If we focus more on what others have to do to belong to our church, instead of remembering what Christ has done for all of us that we might belong to his kingdom, we're missing the boat. We're not getting it. If we are more interested in a perfect performance rather than heartfelt worship, we're missing the boat. 
And if we are more concerned about lifestyles than we are about broken hearts and lost souls, we're missing the boat. If we are more concerned about lifestyles than we are about broken hearts and lost souls, we're failing. We're failing. Let me be clear. Paul is not saying, nor am I saying, that anything goes. I'm not saying that at all. If you go back to the beginning of Romans into chapter 1, you will see a list of actions and attitudes that Paul cites as extremely wrong behavior. This is not a question of right and wrong and good and bad. This is a question of whether we should judge, and if others are doing it out of the glory of God, we're not supposed to judge. It is beyond our Christian behavior. It's a key element of what Paul is looking, like, or looking for in that early church, that we genuinely strive to honor God by what we do, by what we say, and how we behave that we honor God every day. Now, there are some actions, there are some ideas that we find difficult, that we might even question. But I might say, if they are heartfelt and they give praise and glory to God, then we're going to have to either learn with them or we're going to have to accept them somehow. If someone else's behavior is contradictory to what we think behavior should be like, that doesn't necessarily make it wrong. I'm going to let God do that judgment because we can't see into anybody's heart. We've never been asked to judge anybody. We've been asked to do one thing, and that is to interactive worship. Love. Love one another. Love one another. Let's love authentically and genuinely first. That's next week's sermon. Let's stop thinking about judging. We need to reach out with Christ's message of love and forgiveness wherever we need to go. And that means we may have to do things different. That means we may have to change some things. We may have to look at things differently or people differently. Perhaps we worship on Saturday night instead of Sunday morning. Perhaps it means changing our worship time so that we can accommodate different people. Perhaps it needs, means we need to be better understanding of alien cultures, and I'm not talking about cultures from outer space. I'm talking about cultures in this world. Maybe we need a better understanding. Maybe we need to know the concerns of both the old and the young alike, both ends of the spectrum filling into the middle. And perhaps we need to be inviting of the unwashed and the unlovely. And this morning I said the unpoor, but that doesn't work. We have to be inviting to make them a part of who we are. We can invite the unpoor too. They are welcomed into this church just like the poor are. What I'm saying is that we have to be cognizant of the fact that there are different people out there. But God created them all. They are all part of God's creation. You know what our natural human tendency is? Is to blend it so that we kind of all look alike. If you'll look around this morning, we all kind of look similar. We all look alike, homogeneous. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous because God created such delightful diversity in this world. He created so many different people 
for so many different reasons. And we, we need those different people in a healthy environment in this church, any church. If we're going to stretch and grow as a church, if we're going to stretch and grow as the body of Jesus Christ, we need to make certain that we are genuinely reaching out to all sorts of people. We need to be certain that we are welcoming all of God's children, even the ones that we have a difficult time dealing with, perhaps even the ones that we dislike or that we feel uncomfortable with. God didn't ask us to judge. He just asked us to love. And in the end, it's all about honoring God anyway because every last one of us will be held accountable to God. Paul reiterates this. He reiterates the basic tenet of Jesus' teaching when he says, judge not lest you be judged. Judge not lest you be judged. You know, that's not just a quippy phrase we're going to put on the back of a t-shirt. That's something we live into every day of our lives. It's not a bumper sticker we attach to the back of our car. It's supposed to be a way of life, and it's supposed to be who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Let God do the judging. Let God do the separating of the wheat and the chaff. The task of standing accountable and blameless before God is an impossible one, and you know as well as I, we can't do it alone. But the good news is we don't have to do it alone, do we? We follow a risen Lord. We follow the one who loved us so much that he died on a cross for us. And he says, I'm going to take his burden. I'm going to take her burden. And then together, we're going to triumph together. We have a great advocate in Jesus Christ. I hope you know that. A wonderful, loving advocate in Christ. I reiterate again what Paul writes. We do not live to ourselves. We do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. To this end that Christ has died and lived again so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We need Christ. And we need each other in the body of Christ. We have to function together as a body, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And we can't be a body working together unless we're working together and stop pointing fingers. We need to stop judging. Judging ourselves and judging those outside our walls. And start loving and start serving. I think that's what God is always asking us to do. I think that's what he's waiting for us to do. To cease your judging and start your loving. Start your understanding of each other. As difficult as that may be, that's what he's looking for. You and I have been challenged to deviate from the world's norms. We are not supposed to follow the world's norms because Christ should be first in our lives. And he's never asked us to judge. The lady at the airport had bought a book to read. She bought some cookies, too, so she could munch on those while she was reading her book. So she sat down in the terminal waiting for her uh, plane, started reading her book and got really engrossed in it. And suddenly she was aware of a man who was seated, like, not next to her, but the seat next to that. And she went back to her book, but then all of a sudden she heard him rattling, opening cookies and placing them down, then taking one out. 
And she said, I'll be doggone. He's taking my cookies. And he takes one and munches on it. says, I'm not going to let that happen. Reaches over, and she takes a cookie. He smiles, and he takes another cookie. So this goes back and forth. All the time she's getting upset. All the time she's judging the audacity of this guy. Till it gets to the very last cookie. He takes the cookie and breaks it. Puts half of it on the chair and eats the other half and disappears. And she is beside herself. She is so upset she can't even see straight. She takes the last half, eats it, gets on the plane. She's fuming. He's terrible. Sits there, reaches into her purse to grab a Kleenex, and lo and behold, finds out that maybe she's too quick to judge because there at the bottom of her purse are the cookies that she originally purchased in the store. We are quick to judge, folks. Quick to judge. But we've never been called to judge. There's only one who has the right to judge, and he died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And because of his love, we will stand before the judgment seat of God with him standing next to us. In all our naked loneliness, in all of our sinful judgment, in all of our imperfections, standing before the judgment seat of God, we will have the one who really loves us right next to us. The one who died for us, despite all those imperfections. The only one who is truly capable of judging any of us. Would you bow your heads with me, please?